The year was 1984. Footloose was the big summer movie. Leg warmers were always in season with an array of colors to choose from based on my mood ring. <laughs> and my favorite band was... Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. <laughs> I was a high school senior, and although I don't believe them, my parents still claim that 17-year-old me needed even more quality time in the bathroom with my curling iron to get my hair as big as possible. It didn't fit in the senior picture. It's pretty funny. And no, don't go looking for it. <clears throat> Inevitably, my father would walk by the bathroom door and he would say, if we can put a man on the moon, Kelly, then why can't we devise a plan to get you out of the bathroom sooner? <laughs> Who would have thought that Neil Armstrong landing on the moon just 15 years earlier would have opened up a big can of worms for me? Overused preface to a widely varied phrase, if we can put a man on the moon, then why can't we, right, have a cure for the common cold? Why can't we make the baggie and the produce section open easier? <laughs> or how about those childproof medicine bottles that I have to ask my son Matt to open for me? How about the satellite navigation system in our vehicles? You know, the apostrophes kind of mess things up. You don't want to find that there's no autocorrect, so you might actually be going to the opposite direction from where you want to go, like in Yellow Snow Road in Alaska. Uh. Yes, there is a road. And why can't we find a shirt that stays on the lead singer of Maroon 5 during the halftime show at the Super Bowl? Uh. These are all fun questions to ponder for sure. But what about the big questions? Oh my goodness, I don't know what I was thinking when I had this idea that starting next Sunday, we would preach the really big questions, like what is the meaning of life, for example. It's just one Sunday sermon, so uh, the pastors will now be challenged by preaching in ways that they have never been starting next week, so. But today is Transfiguration Sunday where we see Jesus transfigured before the disciples. And what about some of those bigger questions? If we can put a man on the moon, then why can't we find a vision, a purpose, and a way so that no one goes hungry in the world? You know, maybe we should start asking better questions and we'd be receiving better answers. That's the challenge today. So I was thinking that back in 1961, before I was even a gleam in my parents' eye and they had the bathrooms all to themselves, President John F. Kennedy proposed to the United States to put a man on the moon by the end of that decade. So on July 16, 1969, Apollo 11 blasted off with three astronauts on board, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins. And then four days later, on July 20th, Armstrong and Aldrin landed on the moon in the lunar module known as, anyone got it? 
The Eagle, that's right. And Kotlin stayed on board, but all three of them were doing experiments and they were taking photos. I mean, oh my goodness, what a time it was. And then on July 24th, 1969, what was once impossible became possible and all three came back to Earth safely. President Kennedy's wish had come true. It took less than 10 years to accomplish what was previously thought of as impossible. And since then, people often refer to the word moonshot as an impossible goal with only an outside chance of success. Now from the moon, I'm gonna ask you to travel with me to the mountain in Galilee where Jesus He's given his disciples a similar glimpse of his moonshot goal, his mission. It was a mission to redeem the whole world, a mission on which the church, the Christian church, upon which this church are all working toward today still. Now, when Neil Armstrong became the first man to put his footprint on the surface of the moon, the world became a very different place. From that point on, generations of people would point to that event as the pinnacle of human achievement, subsequently wondering why everything isn't easier by comparison. If we can put a man on the moon, for example, why can't we cure cancer? Why can't we get the homeless off the street? Why can't we end war? And certainly all are worthy, if not apparently impossible goals. But we have to remember that every moonshot goal, as we know them, began with a dream, or in Ruth's case, a call. It's a turn away from business as usual. It's a against all odds. It involves a new way of doing things. It involves audacious innovation, collaborative, Teamwork on a level that is beyond your everyday collaboration. It causes sacrifice and it makes visions reality. A moonshot goal looks at the impossible on the surface, but underneath that impossibility are a group of determined, daring people with a clear vision that they can make the impossible become a reality. That's our challenge today as modern-day disciples of Jesus Christ. When the world grows darker, the church shines brighter. So the disciples of Jesus didn't seem all that interested in going to the moon or maybe even to go to that mountain, but they did have some stars in their eyes. They had left behind their former occupations to follow this traveling rabbi around Galilee because they were compelled by his vision of the kingdom of God. The first century Jews, that vision was the peaceable kingdom of Isaiah. No, it wasn't. It was about social justice. It was about gritty and political it was about, for many of them, that moonshot thinking was thought of to someday, you know, subdue their Roman occupiers, overthrow them even. It was about putting God's anointed king, the Messiah, set upon a throne. It was about God's presence returning to the temple. 
It was a vision of freedom from oppression with peace and security for all. And it seemed like an impossibility given the number of Roman spears and war horses that they saw come through their roads and their streets on a daily basis. But then again, there was this Jesus who seemed to fit the mold for the kind of leader that could make it happen. He had performed amazing miracles, drawn in huge crowds. He was even popular with the people and maybe he was the one who could shoot the moon, reverse the fortunes, transform those from paupers to princes. Well, it didn't take long for Jesus to overturn that idea, that notion in their heads. No, his kingdom, and he would come to be a different kind of king. Before being fitted for a crown, Jesus would need to embrace a cross. It was an unimaginable scenario. Eight days later, Jesus pulls his executive team of Peter, James, and John, takes them up on a mountain for a corporate retreat. The little detail of eight days in scripture indicates that it's gonna be a new week. Biblically speaking, it's a sign that something new is about to happen to them on that mountain. It's a sign of a new creation. Well, on this unnamed mountain, Jesus gives those disciples a glimpse of the ultimate moonshot idea, revealing his own glory and his power in a way that they had never seen him before. This was Jesus's moonshot mission and destiny, the salvation of the entire world, and they were gonna be a big part of it. All that Moses and Elijah had represented, the witness of the law and the prophets, everything had been pointing to this goal from all they had learned in temple. The key here, however, is it's not so much the appearance of Moses and Elijah on that mountain, those two towering figures of the Old Testament, but it's the conversation that's happening between them. Luke says they were speaking of Jesus's departure, which would soon take place in Jerusalem. Well, the sleepy disciples saw most of this dazzling vision, but it still didn't sink in that Jesus was more than they had imagined and his mission more comprehensive than any political coup. And Peter piped up with an idea. Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwelling places, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Luke then has it that Peter didn't really know what he was saying in verse 31. You can't keep Jesus or Moses or Elijah on a mountain. You know, Peter's construction plan essentially put Jesus on the same level as Moses and Elijah, which tells us that he still didn't really comprehend who Jesus is. It took the cloud, it took God the Father's great voice saying, this is my son, the chosen, listen to him. It takes us back to the baptism of Jesus, to God's voice 
In effect, the great I am, the Son of God. I am not another prophet. I am preeminent, not over and against the law and the prophets, but as the one who interprets and fulfills them. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the covenant promises God made to Adam, to Abraham, to Moses, to David. In this revelation, we learn along with the disciples that the God who could rescue the son from suffering confirms that his mission will nonetheless have to go through the cross. To borrow a phrase from John F. Kennedy when he had this vision of putting a man on the moon, he said, we will not go because it's easy, but because it is hard, it's a challenge we're willing to accept. And in the case of Jesus, I will not go because it's easy. I will go because it is hard. It is a challenge that I accept out of love. I am unwilling to postpone. I am the one who will die for our sins. I am the one who will grant you new life. It's the ultimate moonshot it is, but the one that will be accomplished because I am God's son. And God created the moon in the first place. You know, the disciples, they're still not getting it. It's only a few verses later that they're arguing about cabinet positions in the upcoming administration when Jesus is the reigning king and the Romans are destroyed. And it's going to take the death and the resurrection of Jesus to bring things into focus for them, to help them realize that God's project was more audacious than anything that humans could ever conceive. But it's not just a moonshot goal that we admire as a historical reality. We are followers of the one who calls us to look at the world as it is right now, currently, with its constant cycle of bad news and what seems to be an increasingly broken way of life. And we are called now today to remember that this is not the way things will always be. We live and we work as disciples of Jesus Christ. We work in the present light of his love. And we work for a future that will be made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we say it every time. We commune at the table. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. So perhaps on this Transfiguration Sunday, Jesus invites us to do some new dreaming for this congregation. Here where we worship and we live and we serve. One day somebody had a vision for a bus. One day someone thought it would be a great idea if adults went on mission trips and not just high schoolers. Three mission trips later, 15 years later, we go. What will be the next vision? Who could have imagined the relationship we have with military and first responders? Who could imagine that it isn't just about special Sundays and services, about, it's about entering the lives of people who serve and their families? Who could have imagined an entirely revamped Sunday school program 
where our little tiny kids, if you want to have a great day when service is over, run down, well, walk, run down to our little room with the bumblebee carpet. And if you're lucky, you'll see them concluding their hour by shaking and giving each other the hand of peace. They walk around those little tiny hands. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. What kinds of moonshot goals do we have for ourselves as a church family? When we follow Jesus, you know, there's no moonshot to him too imaginative, too daring, too audacious to consider. We can shoot for the moon. Later during a speech at Rice University, President Kennedy said this, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and to do the other things, not because they are easy, remember, but because they're hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies our skills, because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win the best of our energies and our skills. That means all of us here in this place, all of us exercising, utilizing, uncovering our God-given gifts and abilities. There was a movie that came out last year about Neil Armstrong. And CNN said this thing about the movie. It said, fulfilling John F. Kennedy's vision was as much about grit, guts, and determination as any feat of engineering. So where do we find the grit and the guts and determination in our efforts to share the good news about Jesus? We find it within us. Don't forget, Jesus lives in you. Preacher and teacher John Gordon, what a powerful speaker. He said, who you were yesterday doesn't have to limit who you can be today, so stop making excuses now. Believe in a better future, take positive action, trust that the best is yet to come. Imagine the best of the church is yet to come. And what better day than Transfiguration Sunday for us to learn to be the good news. When we as a church turn resolutions into resolve, ideas into action, hopes into habits, big dreams into small steps, one step at a time, vision into reality. Together we follow Jesus, not just for the sake of following but we follow Jesus now with the grit and the guts and the good news determination of Jesus himself. And we go together. Let us be on our way. Amen. Amen.